All right, open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 7 through 18 this evening. And the title is, Ruth Pursues the Marriage to Boaz. Ruth Pursues the Marriage to Boaz. The romance between Boaz and Ruth, this relationship, started not long after Ruth started gleaning in Boaz's field. And the romance has grown little by little. And pretty soon, Naomi instinctively could tell from the way they were uh, behaving with each other that there was something going on between them. They, They were in love. And as a result, Naomi instructed Ruth, you need to take this a little further. You need to go to Boaz, according to Jewish custom, and let him know that you want to marry him and for him to enter into the kinsman redeemer marriage with her so we left off last time with Naomi's instructions to Ruth and Ruth's promise to obey what Naomi Naomi said to her so here we're going to see how Ruth did in the following uh, in following the instructions that Naomi gave her and how Boaz responded to Ruth's actions which showed the romance was real it was significant and it was growing The romance between the two needed to move forward from more than words. It needed to move to the place where they both told each other how they felt about each other. Naomi had told Ruth how to go to Boaz and how to make that happen. So let's begin now with chapter 3 and verse 7. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk, not getting drunk, but after Boaz had eaten and drunk, And his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Remember in verse 3 that Naomi told Ruth, don't go to Boaz until he's through eating and drinking. There was a celebration after the finish of of the threshing of the harvest. There would be business to take care of to finish, you know, that, that, that threshing of the grain. So she said, don't you know, don't go to Boaz, don't uh, talk to him until he's through eating and drinking and, and, and the business is taken uh, care of again. And, and then uh, when he lies down at night, when he lies down for the night, then again, uh, go to him. And Ruth did just as Naomi said. She waited for Boaz to lay down at the end of the, at the, end of the, of the pile of the barley grain that was just freshly threshed. And that evening... Ruth would have to wait very patiently for Boaz to finish his work and then to lay down for the night, for him to lay down for the night. When you have strong romantic feelings for somebody, you're anxious to be with that person. You want to show your love to them, but the, the, the fruit must not be picked until it's ripe. Impatience can ruin everything in a relationship. So Ruth stayed inconspicuous. She kind of stayed out of sight, waited until the evening activities were over, and when Boaz laid down, that's when she came boldly to him, but properly to him, to make it known to him that she wanted him to perform the kinsman-redeemer duty to marry her. So the story of Ruth and Boaz is an example of, the, of kinsman-redeemer and the leveret marriage. Boaz was a kinsman of Noah's, uh, Naomi's deceased husband Elimelech and married Ruth, that married Ruth, who was a Moabitess. She was the widow of Melon, the son of Naomi and Elimelech. 
And this marriage ensured the con- continuation of the family name and, and remaining uh, of the inheritance okay, in her possession. And as we see what follows next, it shows her patience paid off, waiting to talk to Boaz as, as Naomi had instructed her. Patience always does that. Patience always works for us when we wait upon God. Patience is really needed in making important decisions in life. When you rush through things, you usually make big mistakes afterward. So those who marry in a rush and don't have the patience to wait for the right person to check out their character, they may be headed for trouble. But again, it's not always the case, but again, it's it's an important step. Boaz and Ruth exercised a lot of patience in their courting, in their dating, whatever, however you want to call it. They took the needed time to learn about each other's character and to make sure that everything about the marriage was proper. Their patience has a lot to do with the fact that their marriage was such a blessed experience, especially in the fact that it produced a son in the line of Christ. And verse 7 says here, notice, Ruth came how softly. That means quietly. Ruth came softly. She came quietly. She uncovered his feet, it says, and she laid down at his feet. Ruth was very careful and she was very wise in the way that she handled the situation so that it would move the relationship forward to the place where Boaz would agree to marry her. First of all, again, she came softly or quietly. That means quietly and carefully so that she wouldn't disturb Boaz or anybody else. What she was about to do was something that didn't want or need public attention at that moment, under the circumstances. Because some things that are very important in life don't need to be publicized when they're being done. And this is hard for people today to accept, because it thinks that if anything is of worth, hey, everybody should know about it. But character knows better. A lot of important achievements in life never you know, make the front page. But if something doesn't make a big splash in life, it doesn't mean that it's not important. Verse 7 also says, notice, Ruth uncovered his feet and lay down. She came, notice, she came quietly and softly, first thing. She came submissively. Ruth, in other words, Ruth followed the custom of the time, just like Naomi told her to do. Her submission... Doing what Naomi said was a very sensitive situation here. Think about it. Anything that was done here that wasn't a part of the well-known custom of that time could easily and justifiably be seen as something evil. She's there with Boaz. It's late at night, and she's laying down at his feet. But you see, Ruth was very careful to do exactly as Naomi instructed She might not have totally understood why, you know, because remember, she's a Moabite. She's out of the family of God. She doesn't understand the Jewish customs. She doesn't understand the Jewish law. So she's being told by a a, a Jewess, uh, uh, Naomi, these instructions. So again, she, she probably didn't know the whys of this marriage custom of the Jews, again, being a Moabite, but she obeyed them anyway. It should and needs to be the same with God's commands to us. 
Hey, how many times has God told us something and we don't know why? We don't understand why. We don't totally understand at times certain things. But you know what? We need to obey God anyway and at all times. Because God knows our situation much better than we do. And He knows best how to deal with it for our good and for His glory. Look at verses 8 and 9 now. Now it happened at midnight. Notice, at midnight. This is all taking place at midnight. So it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. Verse 9, and he said, who are you? She answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. So for a brief moment... What Ruth did to move the relationship forward to marriage, it really confused Boaz. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't that he was confused about the marriage customs of the kinsman, redeemer, and Leverite marriage. Uh, he wasn't uh, confused about marriage customs Ruth was, that Ruth was following through with. But you see, rather that Boaz wasn't expecting Ruth to do this. He wasn't expecting her presence and the exercise of this custom at this time. The first thing in verse 8, notice it says, the man was startled. In King James, it says afraid. Uh, It means to to shudder with terror. According to Strong's Concordance, it means to shudder with terror. It means to fear. The word uh, afraid or startled, it also includes not only anxiety and discomfort with some fear of some evil happening to him. Here he is late at night, midnight, Somebody wakes him up. You know, he's thinking, who is this? Is he going to hurt me? Is he here to rob me of my grain? You know, the the meaning of of afraid and with fear, it also means a strong disturbance of mind and it agitates the body also, according to another commentator. What it all means is that Boaz was deathly terrified when he was awakened at midnight. Now, this wasn't a lightweight anxiety that he was, that this uh, attack that he was experiencing But great fear came over Boaz. And the fear would be made even worse because it was the middle of the night when he couldn't see around him. So, again, why was he so keyed up? Because it involved the grain. In other words, and the servant servant girls that worked to help glean like Ruth did. So he had just finished threshing the grain. It's all piled up. He lays down now to go to sleep. The first thing Boaz thought is that, hey, somebody's, somebody's trying to steal my grain. And that's why he was sleeping by the grain, to protect it from thieves. But then he, when he realized it was Ruth, his concern changed from the grain to a girl that he doesn't know at the moment, you know, at this, at, when she wakes him up. The fact that Boaz was alarmed at who was at his feet shows his excellent character. He didn't say, hey, honey, come on over. You know, he said, who is this? Considering, you no, know, it's dark. He can't see who it is. Doesn't know what's going on. He goes, oh, you know, he wants to know what's going on. So at first, who it was, you know, would cause him to be very concerned about the decency of the situation because of the circumstances. And the Bible tells us we are to abstain from the appearance of evil. And that's what he's doing. And people who are concerned about appropriateness of the situation will walk worthy of their, of their calling. There's a lot of people who could care less about evil situations that they find themselves or allow themselves to be involved in. And if you don't care who you run with, 
or what you get involved in, then sooner or later, you're gonna, it's going to ruin your character. The first thing, notice, Boaz says is, who are you? And Ruth quickly identifies herself. And she needed to do this because, again, it was dark. Boaz couldn't see who it was. And if she doesn't identify herself, then what, was, then, then, then what she was going to ask him to do would be useless. Because if he does know who she is and he's asking her to marry her, you know, what, yeah, he's, you know, her, her question would be useless. So she has to let him know who she is first so her asking him to marry him makes sense. Ruth, again, she was very, you know, she was acting in a very wise way here. Again, she quickly puts Boaz at ease. Her wisdom showed that she would be a good wife for him. She had good common sense in these kinds of situations. Also, when Ruth identified herself, she says to him, hey, it, you know, when he asked, who are you? She said, I am your maidservant. She's showing humility here. She doesn't take it for granted that she's a special friend of Boaz. You know, she's just his maidservant. So after identifying herself, she said, take your maidservant under your wing. Now, that means, or spread the corner of your garment over your maidservant. You know, it's kind of strange <clears throat> what Ruth was asking Boaz to do. It's mostly figurative language that isn't asking so much for the protection of, of cover me with a blanket on the threshing floor at night, but a protective covering of marriage for Ruth's life. When she asked Boaz, take your maidservant under your wing and call him a close relative, she was using a figure of speech that, that was the same as asking him to accept her marriage proposal. Scripture illustrates the marriage intent <clears throat> in the skirt symbol in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8. When it says, and I love this because it's the Lord speaking, and when I passed by again, he said, I saw that you were old enough for love. So I wrapped my cloak or skirt around you to cover your nakedness and declared my marriage vows to you. This is God speaking to us. He said, I made a covenant with you, says the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. How beautiful that is. We became his. The protection part of marriage and spreading the skirt over the woman is found in the fact, or the, little, the literal translation is, spread my wings over thy handmaid. And this action is the picture of a bird spreading its wings over its young ones to protect them. And we see that illustration in the Bible you know, several times. Ruth used this language to tell Boaz, take care of me through marriage. It shows the fact that marriage provided, remember, the rest. Naomi said that she needed to find rest for, for, for um, uh, Ruth. It wasn't like you know, laying down and get rest, but it's the rest of worrying about being single. It's the resting of her mind about you know, not having a husband. It's the rest of mind about not having in, any income or being taken care of. She needed, the, uh, she needed to, to be put at ease of worrying about all of those things and that's what it means by you know finding her rest and so again and this is uh the action that that the bird spreading its wings over its young protects them and that's what ruth is is is, is wanting is this protection of a husband through marriage so again it shows the fact that marriage provided the rest or protection for a woman as mentioned earlier and the reason for the language she said you're a close relative you know, she was a, he was a close relative. And she was to let Boaz know that he had the kinsman duty to marry her. And the reason that Ruth and not Boaz 
you know, made the proposal, as we said last time we were together, for the marriage, is that it was generally required by the widow to make the proposal to the kinsman for the marriage. The widow was to pursue the fulfillment of the kinsman, redeemer, uh, his obligation. The duty wasn't an easy one. But if Ruth wanted a good husband, she had some personal responsibilities in making it happen, in obtaining a husband. Again, to, to, uh, to many today, you know, to a lot of people today, you know, they, ex- they expect to sit and do nothing and hope to, 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 to receive blessings. But it doesn't work that way. We have to exercise our responsibilities if we want to get God's blessings. God doesn't bring blessings to us on a silver platter you know, to those who are lazy and irresponsible. Ruth's proposal to Boaz to be her kinsman redeemer is a picture of Jesus Christ. He's our kinsman redeemer. It's a picture of how a sinner should come to Jesus for salvation. Ruth came to Boaz humbly. She came submissively. She came needfully because she needed his coverage. And she came expectantly that he was going to do it. She came with all those things seeking a, kins, a kinsman redeemer. Sinners should come to Jesus Christ in the same way, humbly, submissively, in need, and expectantly that they will be saved in the same way. First, like I said, Ruth came humbly in that she called herself, remember, this is, I am your handmaid. I'm your maidservant. Sinners must in humility place themselves at the feet of Jesus for redemption. Secondly, she came submissively. Again, the word maidservant not only shows her humility in how she approached Boaz, but they also show submission in service to Boaz. In Genesis chapter 2, 18, it says that the wife is to be a helpmeet for the husband. The word helpmeet means helper. It means one who comes alongside and helps him because God knows how much help we husbands need. So again, she's to be a helper, a helpmeet. And again, it means to come alongside and to help the husband. Not to be a slave or a servant, but a helper. It means to come alongside. So again, uh, he's he's making that, that, uh, she's making that, that picture and identifying herself. When we seek salvation from Jesus, sinners need to be of the mind to serve him, to serve the Savior. When Paul got saved, remember he asked Jesus, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord? When people are not willing to serve God, we're justified in wondering whether or not they're really saved. Because the Bible says in Ephesians that we, we we are called to good works. We are saved to serve, not to sit. We are served, we are saved to serve, not to be served. Ephesians 2.10 says, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, notice, so that we can do the good works that He's planned for us a long time ago. Remember what Jesus said? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Hey, if our, if our Savior serves, hey, how much more should we? Third, she came needfully to Him. She said, take your maidservant under your wing. And as mentioned before, this speaks of one being covered by wings. And it shows protection. You know, and it pictures Jesus, okay, when Jesus was in Jerusalem and he made his plea before the Jews. 
He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and who stones those who are sent to her. He said, how often, notice, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Again, it's a picture of being under the wings of God and him protecting us. Jerusalem needed Jesus' protection, just like every soul lives Jesus' protection. But But Jerusalem unlike Ruth and like so many others in every age, did not recognize their great need of coming under the protective wings of the great Redeemer Jesus for their salvation. Jesus said to the Jews, you weren't willing. Psalm 57, 1, one of my favorites. God, uh, the, uh, the psalm said, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you, and in the shadow of your wings, notice, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. That's a beautiful psalm, a beautiful verse. I will stay under the shadow of your protective wings until all of these calamities pass by. Fourth, she came expectantly. She said, for you are a close relative, Boaz. Here Ruth shows her faith in Boaz to do what he is obligated to do, to redeem her from her troubles of being single. And because Boaz is a close relative, he can do that. He can perform the kinsman-redeemer marriage. Likewise, sinners need to come to Jesus in faith, recognizing Him, Jesus, as the one who can redeem us from all the troubles of sin. Then, after Ruth identified herself and told him why she was at his feet, he wasn't alarmed anymore. And he responded to her in a way that let her know that he was truly interested in going further in their relationship. The first thing he did was assure her, notice, he he assured her with praise for her. Look at verse 10. He goes on to say, Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. So, you know, he says to, he he says, uh, he, he praises her. And the nature of his praise is that he wanted God to bless her for coming to him. He wanted God to bless her because she came seeking him for her husband. Boaz's desire for God to bless her was an indirect way of saying that he thought Ruth was worthy of God's praise because of her actions concerning the marriage that she was seeking. Notice he called her my daughter. These are words of endearment. He didn't call her his maidservant. You know, like, Ruth, like, like he referred to Ruth earlier. And these words said that he had romantic feelings for her in his heart. It's like a guy calling a girl sweetheart or honey. It sends the message that he's more than just interested in her than a friend. It's getting serious. And the reason for the praise is twofold. The progress and Ruth's uh, performance. You have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning. Now, What he's saying is the thought here is that Ruth is showing more kindness for her late husband now than she was when she first married him. And that's because she was now seeking to help keep his name alive through a kinsman-redeemer marriage after he died. So the praise said Ruth was growing in her kindness. Her faith was growing, and this produced increased kindness. And that was a good reason for her to receive this praise. Ruth was growing in faith. She stepped out by faith in Moab. When arriving in Judah, she continued to grow spiritually, believing. I'm sorry, believers have no excuse for not growing spiritually. 
Second reason for her praise is Ruth's performance. He says, you did, notice, you did not go after young men, whether rich or poor. Now, many believe that Boaz was old enough to be Ruth's father. But because Boaz could be the kinsman redeemer, she wanted him instead of the younger man or somebody wealthy or, you know, handsome or whatever it might be. Not saying that Boaz wasn't handsome, but, you know, if he looked like old enough to be her father. Well, anyway, you get the picture. But she chose Boaz because of his character and spirituality. Choosing young men instead of Boaz would have showed that she was only interested in, in the pleasures of the flesh and not so much in the spirit. But she wanted a spiritual relationship, not a fleshly one. A spiritual relationship. And like her progress in spiritual growth, it was a good reason that, that, that Boaz you know, wanted God to pray, uh, that he praised her. Look at verse 11. I got to get bigger print. The numbers are getting smaller and smaller as the years go by. <laughs> okay. All right. Verse 11. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. So, this promise is the strongest assurance yet for Ruth of the romance in Boaz's heart for her. Boaz uses the words, my daughter, again, a second time. And this shows that he had a lot of love for her in his heart. And it will make Ruth feel even more secure about going on in a relationship with him. God does the same thing with us. He continually shows us his love. You know, not, with, not just with loving words, but also by loving acts, merciful acts, so that we have no excuse for doubting his love. And he says to her, do not fear. Those are comforting words that give her greater assurance of the marriage. And that what she did that night was acceptable to him. God's people need to pay attention to all the times in the Bible that God says, do not fear. I mean, there's many times that you read, he says, do not fear. Because those words will give us great comfort. God told Abraham, don't fear. He told Jacob, Moses, and Paul, fear not. God is in the business of removing fear. But again, Saul, uh, sin is the cause of a lot of fear. And then he said to, Naomi, to Ruth, he says, I will do for you all, notice, all that you request. Now the word all tells Ruth that he promises to do everything that was necessary. And the reason for the promise is because it says that she was a virtuous woman. He noticed that. Virtuous basically means strength, power, and force. And it's used here referring to her character. It refers to character strength. It speaks not only of her moral purity, but also of the other great character features that she had. Like her, her, she was a hard worker. It showed it in her gleaning. It, it, the word virtuous speaks of her faithfulness in caring for Naomi. It speaks of her spirituality in her choice and commitment to worship Jehovah God. She was a very good woman, and this encouraged Boaz to promise to marry her. She was a woman of many good traits, which would make him a wonderful wife. And he said, he, told, he not only called her virtuous, but he said, all, notice, all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Ruth wasn't in Judah that long, but her excellent character traits were well known in the city by the people. You know, this shows that she was serious about living a good life. Her character wasn't just talk. 
She walked it as well. She walked diligently, and she walked her character faithfully. So all of Bethlehem knew right away what kind of woman she was. People watch our lifestyle. We, know, we, we should know that. They watch the way we live. They can tell how we live, and we can't hide what kind of people we are for very long. They will know. You know, if we're for real as far as a Christian, if we're, if we're truly Christians, they'll know it. And you won't have to tell them, yeah, I'm a Christian, because they'll know. Because they'll see it in many ways by the way we live and by the way we talk. And if we're not a Christian, even though we say we are, they'll know that too. We need to live a faithful life of character like Ruth did. I mean, it would be a, a wonderful, it would make a, a wonderful reference for a church. Whatever church you know, somebody might go to, it would speak highly of that church. Verse 12 and 13. Stay this night... And in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. <clears throat> but if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down uh, until morning. So after all of the promises and assurance for Bo that Boaz made to Ruth, there was a limit in the assurance that he could give her. And before he could give Ruth an unconditional promise, he would have to, that he could marry her, he had to take care of a slight problem. Verse 12 says, hey, there's another man who is more closely related to you. He says, do you notice? He says, now it's true that I am close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. So he's telling Ruth about this problem. And again, that showed a lot of character on behalf of Boaz because it was an unselfish thing that Boaz did. He loved Ruth. He wanted to marry her. But he knew that there was somebody else who had the, the first duty, who had first opportunity. But even though he knew this could costly cost him his, his heart's desire, being honest and upright, he still gave the other kinsman his due right to be her kinsman. So Boaz put integrity and, ab and abiding by the law above his own desires, you know, his own interests. Not many would do that these days. Boaz would not take Ruth if there was anything that would disgrace their marriage. You see, Boaz wanted an unblemished, unblemished marriage or no marriage at all. And so should everyone else. That should, you know, it's, but it's often not the case. You'll never be sorry when you insist on unblemished character in your marriage. So Boaz tells Ruth, look, I will personally and quickly find out if he wants to take on the duty if the nearer kinsman would marry her or not. If he said no, then Boaz said, hey, I will marry you. So Boaz's love for Ruth is seen here even more in wanting to take care of this situation right away. He didn't wait and say, hey, I'll check it out next week or something. He wanted to go now. He wanted to make it right, and he wanted to find out. This was, again, more assurance for Ruth that, hey, he really cares for me. He wants to take care of this difficulty now or this situation now. And even though she would probably be totally disappointed, I mean, you know, because of the delay, not knowing how long it might take, even though he said, I'm going to do this quickly, she would see more assurance of his love for her. So the delay gave her the chance for Boaz to show these extra acts of love for her. And so, you know, when we experience delays, it gives us an opportunity to see the extra things that God does for us in those delays. Sometimes these things happen to us, to God's people. 
Problems are allowed to come so that God can show more of his love for us through those problems. And sometimes it's really hard during those times to see this, to see this truth. But the fact that this problem of another kinsman provided more assurance for Ruth's faith or for Ruth and Boaz's love for her and shows us that problems can really be a blessing and they can do the same for us regarding God's assuring us of his great love for us. So Boaz, he wanted to take care of Ruth and, he, and protect her after the encounter on the threshing floor. And Boaz said to her right here in verse 13, he said, stay here, th- stay this night. Stay here tonight. Boaz allowed her to sleep at his feet the rest of the night instead of having her go home in the middle of the night because that would be very dangerous. You know, because there would be wicked people out late at night, you know, looking for someone to rob or to hurt. There'd be prowling animals. Boaz in his kindness and his love would protect Ruth from these night dangers. Verse 14. He says, So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman or you came to the threshing floor. So he says, You stay here till morning. And, and it says that she got up before anyone could recognize her. So she got up before there was, the, the sun was up so that no one could see who she was. And again, protecting her name. Because again, people not knowing what was taking place, it could, word could get out, hey man, she spent the night with Boaz. And you know, the, the gossip would have been everywhere and it would have been a lie. But it would have ruined a lot you know, for their relationship and, and their reputation. That's why we need to be careful that we do th- or don't do things that will cause others to misinterpret what we're doing. Even though what we're doing may be innocent. Boaz told Ruth in verse 14, do not let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. That is, and he's saying you. This was, to, this was to protect and preserve their reputations. Again, if this matter was made known, it might influence the other man that had the first opportunity to marry say, I ain't marrying her. Hey, I heard she spent the night with Boaz. Forget it. So again, he might refuse Ruth, thinking that Boaz and Ruth had been together intimately. We have to always be sure that our behavior is appropriate. If we don't, it opens the door for a lot of problems, and Satan loves to get his foot in the door. Even if we're innocent, improper behavior or language can ruin us. Verse 15. Also, he said, bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. And then she went uh, into the city. So this grain that he gives to Ruth, it was, it was, a, it was six ephahs. It was quite a, a large amount. And because it was a large amount, it showed, that, that it's, it showed three admirable, thing, admirable things about Boaz. First, it shows his concern for her. Because he was concerned about her needs, the needs of Ruth and Naomi. Remember, they came from Moab. They were poor. They needed help with food. Ruth had to go gleaning in the fields for some time to meet their need. Well, Boaz now helps her to meet their need by giving Ruth this large gift of grain. Secondly, Boaz was committed to Ruth. The grain showed the sincere commitment of Boaz to see the, nearest, the, near, the nearer kinsman, and get the problem resolved. It showed Boaz's commitment to do all that he could to become the husband of Ruth. 
Those who are committed to serving the Lord will show it in the gifts that they give of their time, of their money, of their service, of whatever it is that, you know, that, that they need to give to the Lord. The third thing of this admirable, uh, admirable thing that we see in what Boaz did is the large grain gift showed his courtship of her. The grain showed his love for Ruth. It was proof of his courting of Ruth in his heart. Love gives. And the size of the gifts emphasizes that his love for her was great. And it's the same with God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He couldn't have given anything bigger than that. Jesus said, he said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So when Ruth got home early that morning to Naomi's house in Bethlehem, Naomi was now, you know, again, checking out what was happening. She was, uh, Naomi was evaluating how Ruth's love life was going. Look at verse 16. When she came to her mother-in-law, that is when Ruth came home to Naomi, Naomi said, is that you, my daughter? And then Ruth told her all that the man Boaz had done for her. So Naomi's question, is that you, my daughter? Was asking really to find out how Ruth's love life was going. How are things going with Boaz? What Naomi was asking was, are you betrothed? Are you engaged yet? Or is the romance over with Boaz? The large amount of grain would tell Naomi the prospects of marriage are looking pretty good. The large grain gift sent Naomi an encouraging message, message that Ruth's night at the threshing floor was pretty productive. Verse 17. And she said, Ruth said, These six ephahs of barley he gave for me, for he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. So Ruth tells Naomi everything that happened that evening. But Ruth didn't go against what Boaz said in verse 14 about being discreet about what took place that night. Naomi needed to know how Ruth did in regards to Boaz and their prospects of them getting married. And a large amount of barley backed up what, what Ruth told Naomi about that night. Ruth had more than words to prove that Boaz was interested in her. She had the barley, the gift that he gave her. Verse 18. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded, notice, the matter this day. So Naomi's counsel to Ruth was sit still. Sit still. And it was good counsel on behalf of Naomi. Ruth wouldn't have accomplished anything by following Boaz around Bethlehem, trying to help him do what he needed to do. And, and, and then Hebrews tells us that it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. And that was referring to, in that particular text to Abraham, who, you know, who had the son finally after about being 100 years old, but he didn't waver in his faith. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And since Naomi and Ruth believed that Boaz would do what he said he would do, they waited patiently until they got the good news that Ruth would be a bride. Now, as we all know, waiting is one of the hardest things to do, regardless of what it is we're waiting for. And maybe that's why the Lord often makes us wait, because it's such a teaching lesson. It is so easy for us to get impatient with the Lord and then start meddling in matters where we should leave them alone. It's like, God, you, you need some help here. He's God. 
and his hands can do the impossible. But our human nature, man, we get nervous. We, get, we, get, we want to get involved. We want to help God out. We want to take things into our own hands. You know, and, and when we try, we only make things worse. Boaz was doing what he said he was doing. He was busy working for Ruth and Naomi. And Naomi says, hey, he will not rest until he has settled this matter. Paul said in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus. And you know what? The best thing to do is to sit still. Man, when you start getting fidgety about what's happening, sit still. Another passage that will say, stand still and, and watch the salvation of the Lord. Stand still, be still, sit still. So in closing, know and be encouraged that Jesus Christ is working in your life nonstop for you as he intercedes for us in heaven and that he's working in us. He's working for you. He's working in us. He's seeking to conform us to his perfect will. So we, as, as, as Ruth, we need to, 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 to put ourselves at the feet of the Lord, the Lord of the harvest. And we need to trust Him to work. And we need to, be, to, to come to Him expectantly, knowing that He's going to work. He's going to do something. One sign that you're trusting in Him will be your willingness to sit still and to let Him have His way. Father, once again, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you for the beautiful example of Boaz and Ruth, Lord. Godly man, godly woman, Lord. And uh, sh showing us their character, Father, and, and what they said and what they did, God. And following through. And Father, help us, Lord, to sit still in those antsy situations, Lord, where we get fidgety and nervous and anxious. And, and Father, we want to jump in and we want to get involved. Father, we only... We'll only put you further behind. We only get in your way, God. So, Lord, help us. Help us to learn and help us to obey and to do all that you, in, you instruct us to do, God. Father, we thank you. And we just, just love your word, Lord. We love you. And, and, Father, we just thank you for all the beautiful illustrations and examples you give us. And, again, they're not just stories or fables. They're true life stories, God, true life events and incidents, God. And help us to learn through them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.